Welcome to the Church for All Nations podcast, streaming live from Tacoma, Washington. We're so excited you joined us today. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. Hey, well, good Sunday, everybody. Good to see everybody here. Church for All Nations, whether you're in the auditorium, whether you're watching online on our online campus, so glad that you're spending part of your Sunday with us. My name is Pastor J.F., and I'm just so honored to be a part of this wonderful team. And man, I just I'm just blessed to be a part of the family of God, man. And I love it. This is the this is like this is like the good good part of the Northwest. Late August like this, it's going to be like in the 90s today. So make sure you find a body of water or a sprinkler head or however you can cool off. Grab an otter pop. You know what I'm talking about? Like it's going to be hot this afternoon, but man, it's it's such a beautiful time of the year, and I'm so blessed that I get to live here and be in ministry here and do life with every one of you guys. And so today, we are concluding this series that we've been in for the last several weeks on the life, the courage, the leadership of this great, one of the patriarchs of our faith, Joshua. And we have spent a lot of time unpacking his life all the way from uh, the transfer of leadership from Moses to Joshua all the way up through uh, the Jordan River and, and the defeat of Jericho. And last week, Pastor Ashley gave a phenomenal teaching on chapter 10 where God literally made the sun stand still in the sky so that the Israelites could completely fulfill the uh, annihilation of their enemy that was in front of them. It required more daylight. And so God just made the sun stand right there. And she did such a great job. If you, uh, if you were unable to uh, hear that teaching, make sure you hop online and listen to that. But today, we're going to wrap up this series because I'm really, you just saw the, the, uh, the trailer for this new series that we're going to be doing starting next week, uh, talking about Matthew chapter 6, where Jesus talks about some of these spiritual disciplines of, of, of prayer and fasting and giving. And I want to just unpack a little bit of that as we move into this new season, as we move closer to fall, the seasons are changing. And with that, we change too. And so we're going to talk a little bit about what, G, what, what Jesus was talking about when he talked about what does it look like to really be a giver, to be a prayer, prayer warrior, to be a fat person who fasts. And so I'm looking forward to that. But today, we conclude Joshua and as we conclude this book, there's really two main sections that remain. Um, we left off in chapter 10, goes up to chapter 24. So there's, these, there's this first section of 12 chapters where you're seeing God divvy up the promised land between the 12 tribes of Israel. Okay, so... Literally, there's 12 chapters of the specifics of what land goes to what leader and their family. And you know what? To be totally honest, it can read a bit boring. Unless you're the one getting the land. Hello, right? Uh, the inheritance. And we can't miss the point, though, in those 12 chapters. The, the point of those 12 chapters is the, solidi the solidifying and the reminding that God is a God who sticks to his promises. That he is a God that when he says he's going to do something, he does it. And I want you to know that we serve a God who's in 
the details. And it required 12 chapters, okay? Because there's a lot of details in there. So, so read through that while you sit by the lake today, okay? Uh, but the, the second section of, of the remain, re- remaining uh, part of this, uh, this, this, uh, this book is two chapters, and, and I label it Joshua's farewell speech, okay? And that, that's what I want to, I want to sit on that for a couple of minutes here because it's really his last words because the book ends with him dying. So he gives this speech, and within this speech, there's some principles that you and I can apply even right now in our time that we're in in this season. In fact, I was even thinking about farewell speeches this week. We've all been a part of a farewell speech. Maybe you've given one at your 30-year retirement party and and it took you six months to write the speech because you, you, know, you really wanted people to hear what you had to say about your experience and you wanted to leave something with those folks, right? Or maybe you were on the receiving end. Maybe you're a person who's really into politics and, and you look forward to when the president is exiting and, and, and you kind of you you really lean into what he or she is saying, right? Those last words of the president of the United States as he gets on the, you know, the helicopter and waves, right? I mean, we all kind of, we all kind of listen to that. And so there's all these different farewell speeches, these goodbyes, these last words. And I want you to know that last words are important, no? They're so important, right? And, and the thing about a farewell speech or the thing about last words is that the audience tends to lean in just a little bit more, right? I don't know if you're like me. I'm a big kind of sports junkie, all right? I just, I love sports and I really like American sports, like the history of it. I I like all those old kind of grainy black and white videos of Babe Ruth. You know what I'm talking about? Those old Yankee, those Brooklyn Dodgers, all that stuff. I'm just into the sports history. And I was kind of thinking, I was meditating on farewell speeches. And for me as a sports uh, connoisseur, if you will, the speech that came to mind, and most sports enthusiasts would agree that this was the greatest farewell speech of all time. Yeah, I watched Michael Jordan cry, and I cried with him when he said goodbye, right? But this speech that I'm going to refer to right here, historians say this was even bigger. It, had, it, it carried more weight, and this is, this is the speech that the great first baseman of the 1920s and 1930s, Lou Gehrig, Mr. Yankee, you know what I'm talking about? Lou Gehrig, who was stricken with ALS. In fact, the disease went on to also be known as Lou Gehrig's disease. He, this disease came upon him and it would very quickly end his life. And there's a famous picture, and here it is right now, of Lou Gehrig standing in front of all of those fans and giving, sports history says, the greatest sports history farewell speech of all Time And despite his imminent death, despite knowing that he was having to walk away from the game that he loved so much due to his illness, he still felt so compelled to let the audience know how he really felt about his life experiences. And the, the, the speech is phenomenal, but it's the opening line that maybe you remember. And he stepped up to that microphone and he uttered this one sentence. He said, today I consider myself the luckiest man that ever 
set foot on the earth. In that moment, despite his sickness, his illness, he felt so compelled to express his gratitude, to express his optimism on life and the experiences that he had. And he'll always, he'll forever be remembered as a phenomenal athlete, a phenomenal baseball player, but he'll even be more so remembered for this speech that he gave. Last words matter. And this was true for Joshua. His last words described his entire life. Look at Joshua 24, 15, B. This was one of the reoccurring themes in Joshua's life as you study his life. But he wanted to express it as he gathered the elders, he gathered the Israelite leaders, families of Israel. This is what he wanted to say as amongst the majority of the content of the rest that he had to say. 24 verse 15b, he says, maybe you can remember this, he says, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. For me, Joshua stands up, he says, for me and my household, we're going to serve the Lord. How many of you know that it doesn't always feel that easy? (laughs) I mean, maybe you read that line and you think, man, it's just not that simple. That might be okay for you, Joshy boy, but man, come to my crib. It's a mess, right? Like, wow, that's a, that's a, that's a great thought. But, you know, it might be, you know, I, I got a calligraphy artist to paint it on our family room wall, but man, it, our, our, our family sure doesn't look like that, right? But the thing about Joshua is he doesn't just leave us with that statement. He actually gives us instructions that make serving the Lord more doable. And so I want to talk a little bit about that just for the next couple of minutes here. I want to give you three principles from Joshua's farewell speech that will help us be strong and courageous leaders. You say, I'm not a leader. And I say, you're a follower of Jesus. You are. We all have influence. And when we use this word that you just read, household, that doesn't necessarily just mean your biological family. It's the people that you do life with, right? It's the, it's the people that you have influence over. So if you're a student, a single parent, if you're, whoever you are, a senior, you live on your own, or you've got all extend, I'm telling you, it's, it's, it's whoever you're, you're in community with. You can glean from this farewell speech as well. In fact, I, if, if, there's a, if there was a little title to this talk, it would be The Guidance in His Goodbye. It's got a ring to it. I know. I know. The Guidance in His Goodbye. All right, let's go to the text. Joshua 23, starting in verse 1. Scripture says, After a long time had passed, and the Lord had given Israel rest from all their enemies around them, Joshua, by then a very old man, summoned all Israel, their elders, leaders, judges, and officials, and said to them, I am very old. Verse 3. You yourselves have seen everything the Lord your God has done to all these nations for your sake. It was the Lord your God who fought for you. Hey, Israel's leaders, you saw... You experienced all that God did to your enemies. I just want, I'm going to leave it. I want you to remember that, okay? You were a part of that. 
Never forget that. And here's the first thought, the first principle that I have for you pertaining to this farewell speech that Joshua expresses to the children of Israel that you and I can actually start today as a spiritual discipline. And that is, number one, continually look back with gratitude. Continually look back with gratitude. This is the very first reminder that Joshua gives. Why, you ask? Because he knows just how easily it is for the Israelites and for you and for me to forget just how good God has been to us and to them in the past. This is so important. Continually look back with, gra- look back with gratitude for the winds, for the healing, for the direction, for the jams that God got you out of. And, and, and refer back to those in your times of trouble and fear and confusion. I'm telling you, the experts are saying that this fall is going to get worse before it gets better. So I'm, I'm, I don't say that to discourage you. I'm just being real, right? In the middle of this pandemic, in the middle of a, uh, 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 a, a political race right now, everything that's going on in the world, it's going to get harder before it gets easier. And in those moments where you feel it, when you don't have the answer, when you need an answer, when you're dealing with heartache, when you're dealing with fear and anxiety, when you begin to doubt God if he's even there, in that moment, you got to look back. You got to look back. This is a life hack for September for you. I promise you that. And I'm saying this for myself. I got to look back. There's times where my humanity takes over. Are you with me? Don't raise your hand. (laughs) I'm just saying like, there's times, right? Where, where, where that thing inside of you, you can call it, the enemy can be a part of that. Your just own flesh can get in the way, right? Some of you who are leaders of your house, you know, where you, you got to like make the decision for your kids and you don't know what to do. And so you're, you get confused. And in those, you got to look back and say, hey, you know what? You know what? He got me through that. He, 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 he got me through that diagnosis. He got me through that job that I lost and had to find another one. He provided when I didn't think there was provision even available. This is who we serve. But part of it is looking back, continually looking back with gratitude. And Joshua knows how important this is. So he starts with this, but then he jumps around a bit. So we'll do that too. Jump down to verse 9. He goes on to say, The Lord has driven out before you great and powerful nations. And when he says nations, he's referring to their enemies. He says, he's done it before. He's driven out powerful enemies. To this day, no one has been able to withstand you. One of you routes a thousand because the Lord your God fights for you just as he promised. So be very careful to love the Lord your God. He's saying, Guys, remember, this is what he did. Never forget what he did. He can do it again. Go to verse, jump down to verse 14. He says, now I'm about to go the way of all the earth. He says, I'm, I'm about to die. And you know with all your heart and soul that not one of all the good promises the Lord God gave you has failed. Every promise has been fulfilled. Not one has failed. Remembering what God has done for us, not only gives us grateful hearts 
in the moment, but it increases our faith for what is about to come. Listen, you're going to need this as things get worse. I'm telling you, the more grateful you are for what he's done, what happens is faith begins to stir up inside of you. Can I, can I explain how that happens? No, I can't, but I can tell you I, I've experienced it on more than one occasion. Those moments where I'm afraid, I don't have a, a, an answer, I don't know which way to go. In those moments, I just stop, and it's like, Lord, I'm so grateful. We've been here before. Maybe we haven't been here before, but you do it time and time again. And in that moment, it's like, woo, and just like, boom. And it's like, how did I take a step forward? I didn't do it on my own strength. The faith just began to grow inside of you. And so when you're continually looking back at all that he's done for you, not only do you become grateful in that moment, but a faith begins to grow inside of you because there's going to be more stuff on the side of that veil. In fact, I love in First Chronicles, Ezra pens these words. He says, give thanks to the Lord for he's good. His love endures Forever. Now the question is, how did Ezra know this? He hadn't lived forever yet. He knows because gratitude increases our faith. I love how Paul communicates it. The same thing in Philippians 4, man. This is a great chapter. There's, there's a lot of tweetable things in this chapter. He says, I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned, watch this, I've learned the secret of being content. You could peel back the layers of that word content and the foundation is connected to gratitude. I've learned what it, what the secret of being grateful in every situation, whether I'm well-fed, whether I'm hungry, whether I live in plenty or in want. And here's the verse that many of you know, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. How are we able to do all things through God? It starts first with the right attitude. It starts with the first with the right mindset and the right foundation. That's how you accomplish that. It all starts with remembering, looking back in gratitude. So that's the first thought. Here's the second principle that we can take away and apply to our lives that we read here in Joshua's farewell speech, and that is continually look out for the gimmicks. Oh, yeah. Write that down. Continually... Look out, because the frauds are coming, baby. I'm telling you. There's a lot of voices right now. There's a lot of false teaching right now. There's a lot of people who are trying to scare you right now. There's a lot of entities and organizations and people that want you to write a check. I'm telling you. And it's just going to keep going. And, 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 and it's all, it's coming from the dark side. It's coming from the enemy. Watch out. He's a trickster. Watch out for the gimmicks. gimmicks. A few years ago, another uh, a local pastor friend and I uh, took a trip to India. My buddy Tyler and I, we went to uh, three major cities in India to um, uh, visit some of our uh, the, the pastors there that we are in partnership, that we continue to be in partnership with, ministry partners and different mission outposts and orphanages and churches there. And, and uh, just an amazing time that we had. And one of the cities that we stopped in was New Delhi. And if you know anything about India, New Delhi, 
the city alone has over 30 million people. I mean, I mean, you think you're like, man, Gig Harbor's getting kind of stuffy. No, go to New Delhi and then we'll talk. Okay. I'm just telling you, I mean, it's packed. Okay. And, um, anyway, so, so we were, so, so one of the days we were there, the, the, the friends, the local friends that we were with said, Hey, uh, take the first half of the day and just kind of go explore. There's a lot of, you know, famous architecture and monuments and you can experience, um, Delhi, you know? And so Tyler and I, uh, hired a local cab driver, like for the day, we're like, Hey, can you just drive us around all day? And he was like, yeah, absolutely. So he did that. And we were driving down just, just the, the road. I mean, just so many people, you know, he's like, all right, get out here and go look at that thing over there and you'll like it. You know? So like, so we jump out and Tyler and I are walking and we aren't even out of this. We aren't even, we're, we're not even out of this cab for more than like two minutes. And this dude walks up t- to me and he's like, Hey, he like, like, like stops me. I'm like, Hey, what, what's going on? You know, he goes, he goes, you want to see something? And I was like, yeah, I do. And he said, I said, well, what is it? He said, well, have you ever seen somebody pet the head of a cobra snake before? And I said, no. He said, do you want to? I said, I looked at Tyler and I said, yeah, I actually do. And he said, okay, well, I've got a guy around the block who's got his cobra and he's, he's, he's good to go if you're up for it. And I said, okay, let's do it. And he said, well, stop right there. It's going to be 20 bucks. And I said, 20 bucks. I said, can I talk? Can you give me one second? I want to talk to my, my colleague here. So I said, Pastor Tyler, come over here. Let's talk. And I said, bro, 20 bucks sounds like a good deal to see a guy probably get killed by a cobra snake. And he said, yeah, I think, it's, I think that'd be awesome. I said, okay, well, you got 10 bucks? I got 10 bucks. Okay, let's go in. Okay. So we came back and I said, yeah, we would like to see... Uh, the man possibly be killed by a cobra for 20 bucks. You know, I would love to do that. He said, okay, well, give me the game. So I'm, I promise you this how it went down. We went around this corner and there was this guy, true story. You can, you can, he's over at Life Center. Tyler's over, you can go ask him. He literally, this guy was sitting in this corner and it was like, it was like something out of Indiana Jones. Like there was a basket, like a, you know what the basket I'm talking about? And he lifted the lid and all of a sudden he started playing this flute, true story. And this full-on, it, was, it wasn't fake. It wasn't like a movie. It was like a full-on cobra, like a king cobra snake. Head comes out like this. And, and this thing comes out. And the head, I, it literally was like, and it like looked up right at me and Tyler. And the, 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 you know the thing on the neck? It just kind of went whoosh, right? It was a, just stare, doing this whole thing. And I'm like, dude, that's a real cobra. You know, we're kind of backing up, you know? And sure enough, the guy puts his little flute down and he reaches over and starts stroking the head of this cobra. Like, oh, what the heck are you? Whoa. And I promise the snake started kind of kind of shooting at the other arm, you know, and he was doing this and he was going like this with the cobra. I'm like, this is the greatest $20 of my life. You know what I mean? And we were like, that's awesome, man. We were walked off high five. And I was like, man, I thought that guy was a goner. He lived, you know? And we got back to the hotel that night and we were sitting around the, the dinner table in the restaurant. And so some of the local pastors are like, hey, what'd you guys do today? I'm like, well, we did a lot of stuff, but we saw a guy almost get killed by a king cobra. It was, it was 20, it was, and for like the next 30 minutes, the table went into uproar laughing. Just like they were laughing. And so finally we're like, why are you guys laughing? And he said, he said, man, that's a, that's a gimmick, bro. 
He's like, those cobras, when they're babies, they take all the fangs and poison out. They don't even have teeth. And so when the cobra strikes, they're just gumming his arm. He, there's no way that snake was a fraud, man. It's a gimmick. You guys got ripped off. And we all kind of started laughing. But we were like, yeah, but in the, in the moment, we didn't know. And it was pretty fun, right? Like, we didn't know. But, man, it, it, was, it, it wasn't real. We, 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 we looked at that, and we were like, man, that's the real deal. All along, that snake had a big bark <laughs> and no bite, right? No pun intended, okay? It's a fraud. And I say all that to say, because I wanted you to have that visual as we move on to the rest of this sermon, and that is there is another snake. <laughs> Hello? That scripture is very clear about. The enemy of our soul, the father of lies, the picture of the enemy. This is who the enemy is. He's a fraud. He's always continually selling you a gimmick. He has no real joy. He might present something that looks like joy or happiness, but I'm telling you, his version is fraudulent and it'll lead you down a path of destruction and heartache. His freedom is a freedom that it maybe feels like freedom in the moment, but man, it has long lasting effects of brutality and pain in your life. His freedom is false. The only real freedom is the freedom that comes from the Lord Jesus Christ. This other counterfeit, this serpent, this snake, this enemy of our souls, he's full of gimmicks. And Joshua warns against this in a few different ways to the children of Israel thousands of years ago that now still resonates with God's children, you and I, today. Let's go to the text. Verse 6 says, Be very strong. Be careful to obey all that is written in the book of the law of Moses without turning aside to the right or to the left. Don't be distracted. Don't be enticed by fraudulent counsel, okay, is what he's saying right there. And then Joshua puts back into this, uh, reestablishes this, like this remembering strategy that we were just talking about. He says, the Lord has driven out before you great and powerful enemies to this day, no one has been able to stand, has been able to withstand you. One of you routes a thousand because the Lord God fights for you as he promised. So be careful to love the Lord your God. But, he says, if you turn away and ally yourselves with the survivors of these enemy nations that remain among you, and if you intermarry with them and associate with them, meaning if you're convinced to compromise the instructions the Lord has given you, he says, then you may be sure that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations before you. Instead, they will become snares, traps, gimmicks, frauds for you, whips. Look at this picture here. Whips on your backs and thorns in your eyes. Ouch. <laughs> Until you perish. From this good land which the Lord your God has given you. Joshua is saying to the people, you have the real source of your strength that never came from you in the beginning. Your source is Jehovah. Your source is God. You have the proof. You have the experiences. You know his capabilities. You know what he's done to your enemies. The next time you think about bowing down to another false god, 
I want you to stop and remember who the real true God is and what he has for you and what will happen to you if you decide to go your own way. Look at verse 14. He says, now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods. There it is. Your ancestors worship beyond the Euphrates River in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, here it is. Then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you're living. But as for me, as for me, as for me, are you still awake? As for me, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. We always have a choice, my friend. That's the beauty. That's the power of the free will God gives you and that he gives me. And every single day, we get to choose whom we shall serve. You say, preacher, I don't serve nobody. And I'd like to respond by saying, oh, yeah, you do. You serve the idol of self. All right. I don't serve, I'm, yeah, you're, you're, you are definitely serving someone. It's, it's you. You serve yourself, your fleshly desires. That's your number one and only priority. And in the end, it's not even really serving yourself. It's actually, you, 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 you doing life like that is actually serving the enemy. And serving the enemy leads to nothing but destruction and heartache. And God's way is to life and fulfillment everything we were meant to be from the beginning, the beginning of time. Don't fall prey to the trap. So continually look back with gratitude. Continually look out for the gimmicks. And here's the last principle that is so very clear in this final speech, these last words of Joshua. And that is continually look forward with his grace. As you're on this journey with the Lord, according to Joshua, Joshua says, as you walk with God on this journey, till you meet Jesus on the other side of eternity, you're going to have trouble. I read again in John this past week, Jesus is around his disciples, and he says, you know what, fellas, in this world, you're going to have trouble. But he doesn't stop there. He says, you know what, take heart, (laughs) because I have overcome the world. There's hope in me. So the promise is trouble is there. The promise is that there's going to be times where it gets harder, where the trouble feels even that much more intense. And Joshua more or less foreshadowing the words of Christ says, as you walk through your valley on your mountaintop, I love the mountaintops. The way you get to the mountaintops is through the valley. It's where you learn. That's where you grow. That's where you get stronger. As you're on that journey, look back. Looking back. Sometimes we, we don't, don't look back. Yeah, look back from time to time. Not at, not at the places where you made mistakes that But even if you're looking back and you're seeing those mistakes, remember that God can use those mistakes. But look back at what he's done for you. Hearts full of gratuity. As you continue to walk, pierce through the noise, the access to the internet now and social media, I'm telling you, it's just getting louder and louder and louder. And you're going to have to 
use wisdom and good judgment and discernment as you navigate through these weird times that we find ourselves. And in the process, keep your eyes forward, continually looking forward with his grace. You see, if you look at the middle of Joshua 24, after Joshua gives these warnings, the Israelites begin to do exactly what he's instructed. Like they receive his word and they're, and they're, they're responding with agreement. Yes, yes, we're going to do this. They, they begin remembering all that God did for them and publicly like yelling out, they begin shouting out the things that God did for them. It's an amazing thing. God did so many things for them and but then Joshua, the leader that knew them all far too well, hits them with a very harsh reality. I'm going to read it here, but you can also go home and spend the next week reading the rest of the Old Testament. And they, they, they say one thing, and all the way through Malachi into the Apocrypha, they go back and forth between sin and turning back to God, sin, turning back to God, sin, turning, it's just this wheel, and you can, that's, that's essentially, that's the entire theme of the Old Testament, but go to the text, this is what Joshua said to the people, look at this, he says, you're not able to serve the Lord, I find that interesting, he's like, hey, you're not even able to serve the Lord, he's a holy God, he's a jealous God, he will not forgive your rebellion and your and your sins, if you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods. He will turn and bring disaster on you and make an end of you after he has been good to you. Now look, 21. But the people said to Joshua, no! We will serve the Lord. And then Joshua said, you are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen to serve Serve the Lord. Wow. Your witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen to serve the Lord. Meaning from that moment on, you're going to have to hold each other accountable. In fact, Joshua goes on and erects a, uh, a, mo a monument so that the future generations who saw that knew exactly what it stood for. That was the moment where they said, look, this is where it's at. This is where it took place. This is where we said that we will serve the Lord. And if and when, which we find out they do, you fall away, you can look back and say that was our original intent. You are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen to serve, to serve the Lord. And you know, as we close today, I was thinking about that first part where Joshua says, can't even do it. <laughs> like, you can't serve the Lord. You can't please the Lord. And I thought to myself, how many times do I sit with somebody over a cup of coffee, a person who is a servant leader in their church, a person that serves their community and has the, the Jesus t-shirt and waves the banner of Christianity, and I sit with them and they are so broken, and the conversation always leads down to, I'm not worthy, Pastor. I feel guilty for, for where my life took me in my past, or I feel guilty with some of the stuff that I still struggle with today, the sin, the stuff that even creeps back in today, and I just 
I don't feel like I deserve the love of God. I don't feel worthy enough to carry his name, right? And the fact of the matter is, you're right. <laughs> like, you aren't. And I am not either. And what I want to leave you with today is that God knew that from the beginning. Joshua says, you can't do it, Blue. He's too holy for you, bro, right? Like, like you're not good enough. But as you read the rest of this, this, this part of the chapter, describes this monument that Joshua builds. And in fact, the monument, this is really cool, was a foreshadowing of Jesus coming to help you get into true righteous alignment with the heavenly father. You say, what am I talking about? What I'm saying is Joshua was correct in that, no, you can't serve him. You can't please God. He's too holy, but you can through what Jesus did for you on the cross, my friend. Scripture is very clear that Jesus is interceding in our behalf and goes to the Father, and he's our, we can have a direct relationship with the Father through the Son of God. It's all because of what Jesus did. And then Hebrews in the New Testament jump way ahead, thousand years plus. In the book of Hebrews, let me read this passage of Scripture, and then we're going to pray, confirms this. There's this old covenant, but there was a new covenant in the blood of Jesus Christ. Hebrews 9.15 just, just write it down right now. When you get home, I want you to, I want you to write it in cursive, you know, like on a piece of paper and laminate it and then put it on your mirror where you brush your teeth, okay? This is that kind of a verse, all right? Hebrews 9.15 says, For this reason, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant. Someone say amen. He is the mediator Meaning, meaning, meaning he's worked out a new contract between the heavenly father. And that new contract is in regards to you and I, right? No, you can't, sir, you can't. No, 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 because of what Jesus, the new write-up, the new contract now says that you can. Look at this. For this reason, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance. Now, that he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying right now that without Jesus, everything Joshua said was 100% true. There's no way. Forget it. Don't even try to please God. Don't, don't even try to live as righteous as you can. And see, that's the difference between religion and relationship with Jesus right now. There's so many other things going on that fall under the umbrella of faiths. And be, you begin to dig, you know, peel back the layers of these different things that we've called faiths throughout the world. You're going to find that there's a lot of penance connected to it. You live this way, you do this way, you beat yourself up, you, you do all these things, and maybe, just maybe, you'll get into paradise. Or maybe, just maybe, you'll get a, you know, a, B, and C. Or maybe, just maybe, you won't end up in hell. And so people spend their whole lives literally crawling on their hands and knees through the streets of Guatemala City 
And I, I don't mean that like as a, as, a, as a symbol. I was actually in Guatemala City where these people were literally climbing, literally on their hands and knees, miles and miles, paying penance for their sins. And, and, and Jesus came to eradicate all that stuff. He is, he is the new covenant. I hope you find encouragement in that today. I hope you find hope in that today, that through everything that Jesus did, you can live a life full of freedom. And the point at the very beginning that I was trying to make on this third thought is continually look forward with his grace. Meaning, as you walk, as you make mistakes next week, okay? No, like, as you, as right now you're thinking, I'm going to screw up. I know I'm going to make a mistake. Be at peace with it. I'm not saying go do it just because it whatever. But I mean, like, we're sinful creatures, Right? This isn't going to be fixed until Jesus totally comes back. But in the midst of it, we're saved. We're in alignment with God through Jesus Christ. Now walk in his grace. Meaning, exhale. The next time you make a mistake or the next time that snake who I was talking about gets between your ears and reminds you of how you used to treat your spouse 10 years ago or that habit that you couldn't kick for 25 years, and that shame comes back on you, you can reject that and say, no, 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 I'm, gonna, I'm walking through and I'm walking in and through and forward in his grace until the day I take my last breath. For someone in this room, someone watching online, that was for you. You've been carrying the, this load and you love God and you're saved and you're going to heaven. Maybe you serve in, in your community. Maybe you stand for righteousness. Maybe you pursue the, the area of holiness that Paul Paul talks about all throughout his letters. Today, cling to that. Walk forward in his grace. Let me pray for you today. Cross this auditorium. I wonder if you're here. And you say, JF, will you pray for me? I, I receive God's word today for my life. I... This has been a hard, hard season for me. It's been a hard season for all of us, obviously, every one of us. But for some of you, it's, it's been a, le- a level of, of hard that, that you would say is because there's this absence of God in your life. And the trouble that you're dealing with, it just feels like it's so overwhelming. It's like if there's a picture, Paul talks about chains and talks about, there's a lot of symbols in scripture, but like for you, you just feel like you're trapped. You, you, you've, you've bought so many lies. You, you, you've literally taken every pill that the, that the enemy has for you. Just, just take it, lies of this is what love looks like. This is what, this is what happiness looks like. This is what success looks like. Man, I've sat with multimillionaires who are on the brink of suicide. They've, quote, end quote, got it all. And they bought a lie of what fulfillment is supposed to look like. Man, I don't know where you're at today. But I'm telling you, you can find real peace, real freedom, real rest, real hope. Real purpose, man. Don't you want to live a life of purpose? Don't you want to? I talk to so many people who 
through through an, talking to them for an hour over a coffee, I clearly get the impression that they wake up in the morning and they go into survival mode and the goal is to get back to that bed that they're about to get out of. That's a terrible way to live life. So many of us do that. Maybe you can relate to that. If that's you, I want to pray for you today. You can go to sleep knowing that if you don't wake up in the morning, it's because you're with the Lord, right? That's a peace. That's a peace that Paul talks about in chapter 4 of Philippians. A peace that surpasses all understanding. That peace that promises to guard your heart, man. Some of you have been giving your heart away to too many people, and it's left you so empty. Then he goes, that same peace is going to guard your mind. Some of you are just wrecked by the enemy's thoughts. Keeps you up at night. And I, I pray that constantly. Lord, I need, I need your peace for my heart, man. I need it for my mind. Man, the enemy knows JF so well. He, man, I, there's wars that go, be, go on between my ears. And in those moments, I just got to stop and say, no, I rebuke you, snake. <laughs> Holy Spirit, give me your peace. Right. What I'm saying is if you want that, you have access to it because of Hebrews. Because of what Jesus did for you on the cross. If that's you, maybe you're in this auditorium and you say, I want to accept Jesus today. I I want that. That's what I want. That's what I want. This addiction has beat me up. I'm done with it. I need healing today. Maybe you're watching online. Maybe you're in between shifts at your work. You're in the break room and you got your earbuds in or whatever. And you're listening right now. You're a part of this. Come on, right now on the count of three. If you're in the auditorium, if you're in your man cave, you can join right now on the count of three. You say, I want to say yes to Jesus. I just want you to slip your hand up. Not because I necessarily want to see it. And not, not, and not because God is wondering. <laughs> like, No, this is for you. It's a symbol. You'll remember this for the rest of your life. That pandemic in 2020 in an auditorium that seats 1,200 and there was 40 people there. <laughs> like, You'll remember this moment forever, okay? The count of three, just raise your hand. One, two, three. You say, it's me. Yeah, yeah, thank you, brother. I see your hand. Thank you. Thank you. I see your hand. Anybody else? You say, that's me. Thank you. Watching online. I, I feel it. I feel you. I see your hand, friend. One more question, and then I'm going to pray, and then we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna go experience what 97 degrees feels like. You say, Pastor, I love the Lord. But, man, I have, I have this tendency to allow the enemy to get the best of me. Not even necessarily I act out, but man, I'll buy his lies of shame and unforgiveness and bitterness. I'll swallow that pill one more time. I'll pick up that weight that I left at the altar of the feet of Jesus. I do this so often. and I don't want to do that anymore. In fact, I want to use some of the pain from the past to help somebody else out who's dealing with it. That's what we talked about it a couple of weeks ago. That's what God does. <laughs> like he'll even take the stuff that that you consider a, a screw up or a mess up and then he'll use it for his glory, but it requires you giving it to him first. If that's you on the count of 3, you pop your hand up 1 2 3. You say I just want to leave it. Yeah, absolutely. Lord, we thank you for your word today. God, as we wrap up this incredible conversation on the life of Joshua. God, I thank you for all of the principles, everything that we can take away from his life, his leadership. 
God, all of the moments in, 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 in where he would find himself leading a group of folks that looked a whole lot like us in this auditorium, those watching online, dealing with all kinds of life issues, even in those moments of turmoil, what you did, God, I thank you that we can even apply it right now to this very unique, unprecedented, dark season in our lives. God, you're going to use this season in 2020 for your glory. God, I thank you for the testimonies that I receive almost on the, on the daily from people talking about in the midst of all of this stuff, pandemic and everything going on, you're working in people's lives, restoring marriages, healing people of ailments and addiction issues and, and brokenness and mental health. God, I thank you that you're bringing peace in a new, unique way. Someone's experienced it right now who's watching online. Lord God, I pray right now for the friends. Those of you who want to say yes to Jesus, do it right now. That's all it is. John talks about believing. Just believe in him and be saved is what the scripture says. So just receive him right now. Jesus, come into my life. You know the details. I know that you have the power according to your word to heal me, to lead me, to guide me, to provide peace, provision, purpose, fulfillment. God, I want to align with you, but it requires me laying my will down and taking on your yoke that you said was easy and that your burden was light. I receive that right now in Jesus' name. Thank you for welcoming in to your family in Jesus' name. God, I pray for my friends who are already believers. I pray right now in those moments where the enemy comes back, that snake comes back, tries to remind them of who they used to be. God, I pray that in those moments they can first and foremost, realize what's going on, that they would stop, that they would use discernment, and that they would be able to find peace in the grace that you provide, that you already provided for them, and that, that, that they would walk in your grace every morning, that they would wake up and just say, Lord, I'm such a broken woman, a broken man. I'm completely lost because of what you did and what you're doing in my heart, I can live free, saved, walking in humility, knowing that you're at work in my life, knowing that you're working on my marriage, knowing that you're helping me communicate love to my children in a new, unique way, knowing that though the, there's tensions at my workplace, knowing that there's people with a lot of different opinions on Facebook and philosophies, that even in the midst of all of this stuff, Lord God, you're at work and you're first and foremost working in my heart. We thank you, God, for your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks again for joining us. To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel. For more content and to connect with us, go to cfan.church.